0: Hi, this is Andrew, and this is Keen On, the daily now.tv chat show with some of the world's leading thinkers and writers. Hello, everybody. It is Friday, October the 27th, 2023, the last Friday in October. And if it's Friday, it must be that was the week with my friend Keith Tier. Uh, Mr. VC, uh, and this week, the theme of his wonderful newsletter that was the week is capitulation. It comes with another terrible AI piece of imagery. Keith, when are you going to use some real art for this newsletter? Well, you know, they, they, these VCs
1: will not pose for pictures like that, so you've got to
0: make them up. I think you put them in now to annoy me, because that is a particularly bad one. All these guys with beards, w- w- why are they all got beards?
1: Uh, obviously, Dali believes venture capitalists have beards, and that's a white flag of surrender in the middle of the table there.
0: Yeah, and Dali, of course, uh, the one company that doesn't need VCs is uh, OpenAI there. Now, what are they? they got, they're on an $80 billion valuation, and uh, they're buying back the shares from the employees. So it's a good company to be working for.
1: Yeah, you know they have an internal market where they they organize share buybacks from employees uh, at regular intervals to create liquidity, partial liquidity. I think there's a lot of rules around how much you can sell. But the average um, the average senior engineer there is making between 900,000 and 1.2 million a year.
0: So Keith, you and I should probably go and work for AI, open AI. Exactly, I mean, don't they really I don't think they'd give me a job, they might give you one.
1: Yeah, maybe sweeping up.
0: Definitely not doing the AI. Well, you know, sweepers get good money, at least in the Premier League. Uh, Mm -hmm. Capitulation, another VC theme, Keith. Is this good or bad news? Are VCs abandoning hope or is hope abandoning the VCs? What's going on?
1: So this was triggered by two very good essays, one by Charles Hudson, the other by not an essay, but a set of slides by Manu Kumar, who is the uh, he runs a, a venture firm called K9, as in the letter K, the number nine. And um, they both they both uh, talk about the end of an era for early stage investing. And most of our conversations about venture up until now have been about the decline of late stage investing. These two are focused on seed and A-round investing. And it kind of goes along with what Sam Lesson said a couple of weeks ago, that uh, that the, um, the era where you could invest in something and someone else would come along and turn it into a unicorn is is gone. That's roughly what they're saying, and for for venture capital, that's a big deal. We've we t- we've talked about the power law of venture capital. Yeah, and you
0: write about that in the editorial. What is the power law? The
1: the power law is is a fact. It's that um, most venture funds over uh, a venture fund lasts about ten years. Uh, It usually has finished investing after three years, and then the the, the manager raises another fund. So within a 10-year window, they have three funds, one every three years. And across three funds, they might get one, two, or three investments that are good enough that when they exit, it returns the entire fund, or maybe even more than one fund. That's the power law. It's the fact that most of your investments uh, don't make enough to justify the effort, but one every now yes, and then. I don't ha-
0: understand what's changed. I mean, given y- y- you-, you link also to this OpenAI story, isn't OpenAI a classic um, power law company is that whoever invested early are going to make ridiculous fortunes like Uber and Airbnb and Google and Facebook and yes. every other investment is a disaster. But what's changed? Why is anything changing?
1: You go, very good question. What's really changed is that for, for a small number of years, roughly starting in 2019 and ending last year, there were lots of power law companies, way more than is normal, due to the fact that late stage investors were writing large checks at high valuations, often quite early in the life of a company. So, seed investors and Aran investors were experiencing an unusually high ratio of power law companies. And what Charles and Manu are saying is that that isn't going to be happening anymore. That uh, I, I think of it as organic unicorns versus artificial unicorns. Yeah,
0: I I have to admit, Keith. Uh organic unicorn sounds like a square circle. I mean, what does that mean? And, 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 and nothing's changed. Everyone's always pessimistic until the next big thing comes along and then everyone changes their mind.
1: Uh, organic. A good example of organic would be Google or Amazon or Tesla that literally built a company stage by stage. A big investor didn't swoop in and give them a high valuation early in their life. They had to build a real company. So an organic unicorn is a unicorn that achieves a valuation due to success in the, in the market. So I would,
0: I would not as for me to rephrase your language, but these are real unicorns. In other words, yes. they're, they're not just fake unicorns of some absurd valuation which crash.
1: Yes, correct. That's exactly the meaning. Uh, yeah, you can, you can uh, haggle with my words. But... So
0: OpenAI is a real unicorn. I mean, this is okay. not going to just crash. It's a real okay. company.
1: They're already on 1.3 billion revenue. So by definition, they're probably a decacorn. And they may, according to that story, they're worth 80 billion. So that's roughly 80 times revenue, a little bit less. Uh,
0: and a couple of weeks ago, you suggested that in five years, they'll be the most valuable tech company around, that they'll be worth 500 billion.
1: Uh, I think as long as Mark Zuckerberg's evil plan to defeat them, doesn't play out they will be
0: well I, I you, you link to that story as well do you really think Zuckerberg can take on AI open AI can can Zuckerberg steal any of the AI founder from anyone Microsoft Google yeah well
1: he's you know he's he's um, he's a very predictable guy Zuckerberg he copies anything that works um, uh, and tries to tell the story that what he's built is a better version and he well, doesn't that Mike, with...
0: didn't microsoft used to do that as well i mean isn't don't all smart companies do that My, microsoft
1: well? no, microsoft and apple are cleverer uh, uh they look at what works and build their version of it inside their environment uh later on we when we get to startup of the week we'll see apple doing that right now um but but what Facebook doesn't do that. It basically goes top down and copies an entire set of things, like um, like its uh, reels copying TikTok, for example. So, um, so Zuckerberg is a copycat, uh, whereas Microsoft and Apple learn from the market and iterate, and and so they they're a little bit different.
0: Well, when we get to our, I don't want to give away our X of the week because that's always the end of the show, but. One very prominent VC, v- Vino Kosler. <laughs> excuse me, uh, Vinod suggests that that's the nature of things. So what Zuckerberg is doing is no different from what Bob Dylan has did, or Steve Jobs, or anyone else. Well, that,
1: that's definitely true. Uh, the, the funny thing with Zuckerberg is he almost always fails. Um,
0: I, you I don't like him. What's what, what? Has he pissed you off this week, Keith? What's you're usually quite sympathetic to these tech titans. What's so what's so bad about Zuckerberg? Why is he worse than anyone else? Actually, you know, Facebook and WhatsApp
1: and Instagram are awesome. And I'm not against him at all. I just don't think
0: he can succeed copying up OpenAI. I don't I don't You can't copy OpenAI. I mean, we'll talk about OpenAI as a copycat too, but how how can Zuckerberg at Facebook however many tens or hundreds of billions of dollars he pours into it, how can it replicate OpenAI? I mean, Google's trying to do that too.
1: So so what, what Zuckerberg is doing is really um, an attempt to slow down the pace of OpenAI success by releasing open source versions okay. of large language models. And now that can work because developers want access to models, so he will definitely have some impact. But what he probably won't do is
0: replicate ChatGPT. There you're right. And, uh, and there's lots of talk of, of AI as open source. Uh, how does Facebook hijack it for its own benefit and not just for the open source community? Why does that help Facebook? I, I,
1: I think Facebook is uh, almost 100% preoccupied with audience and engagement. And so the more time we spend on OpenAI, the less time we would spend on Facebook. So by slowing down OpenAI, it probably hopes to do a rearguard action, a little bit like Google with Android, really was trying to slow down um, the move away from the web. Uh, By building Chrome and putting Google search inside Chrome on an Android phone, and taking some of the market share from mobile it was really trying to make sure it didn't get too punished from the rise of mobile. And, well, he
0: certainly um, I don't know how he's done it. Zuckerberg, he works in unusual ways. He's, he's stolen the thunder on this show. And you don't even have any links to, to Facebook. So let's move beyond that. You have an interesting link on Essays of the Week, the Westminster Declaration, Keith. Uh, a lot of people who have signed that have been on the Keenon show. Uh, uh, is there a intellectual crisis of free speech? Do you believe it? I, I have to admit, I don't, but what do you think?
1: Well, I, I think there's a whole new uh, lexicon around free speech, um, uh, words like misinformation or disinformation or uh, you know, uh, are, are basically used to render a point of view you know, more or less a lie Um, and and often depicted as uh, malicious and sometimes even illegal. So I I think what the Westminster uh, Declaration is trying to say is, let's just take ideas at their face value and say what we think about them. Let's not label them, uh, because misinformation is another word for opinion. And, you know, it would be weird if we expected social media to
0: only have facts. So who are they? these Westminster people? Who who are they against? Uh, Matt Tayabi, Ty- I know you're a big fan of him. Julian Assange, I'm personally not a great fan of his. But who are they against? Who are they saying? Who's the Westminster Declaration against? It's not clear it, to me.
1: It's really against everyone who's trying to reduce what is published down to things they agree
0: with and that's a wide Mm. spectrum i agree Uh, on that so what do you make of uh, this week we we, i don't want to turn this into a political show but you do the gilmore gang on that but what do you make of people trying to shut people up on the middle east front of saying you of 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 doxing them and embarrassing them and threatening them
1: yeah You know, it's kind of interesting because my um, empathy in in what's happened in recent weeks 100% lies with the Israelis needing to make sure Hamas can't ever do again what they did. So I have have a a bias uh, in support of Israel. Um, That said, an Israeli friend of mine published something this week talking about Palestinian terror. And I said, I corrected him and said, you should be talking about Hamas terror because otherwise you're equating Hamas with Palestinians and that is not appropriate. And, and, and um, what you will find is that almost any point of view coming from uh, the pro-Palestinian side is, it can easily be depicted as anti-Semitic and therefore uh, rendered not, not allowable. And so I, I, I think, inevitably, when, when something as extreme as what Hamas did happens, um, people, people choose sides. And it seems somewhat illegitimate in the context to choose any side other than Israel's. On the other hand, there's more than two sides.
0: Uh, there's real, a lot of in, hands here, Keith. You're right. running out of time. So I'll you're being a bit mealy mouthed here. So what? So what is going on? What do What are you saying? Uh,
1: so what? I, what I'm saying is, you should tolerate all points of view and disagree with them where you disagree with them, and well, not... that's
0: not exactly news. Who would disagree with that? But,
1: well, that's well, the, the Westminster Declaration, funnily enough, is signed by people across the entire political spectrum.
0: Yeah, which makes it sort of boring, and these people are so pleased with themselves. They're so annoying. All of them, I mean. Yeah, but you—I'm going to guess you agree with them. Well, it's obvious. Who wouldn't agree with? Who would disagree with that? You know, even even the Jews that want to shut the Palestinians up, and the Palestinians who want to shut the Jews up—they would probably agree. Just when it comes to certain issues, people get all peculiar, right? Isn't that the problem? Well, they get confused. I mean, if 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 the Middle
1: East was as simple as Israel versus Hamas, it would be easy, but in addition to, you know, Israel isn't a single thing, there's lots of different points of view within Israel. Um, and, uh, you know, on the issue of Palestine, Hamas is a tiny fragment of a range of opinions. So once you get into the details, it gets complicated. And that's why it requires thought and conversation. If it was just Israel versus Hamas, it would be too so
0: super simple. Not like Man United versus Man City, Keith, much simpler. Much simpler. We, we Maybe that's live. how they should decide. They play a football match, like Man City versus Man United, and whoever wins gets the land. How about that?
1: Israel would win that match, actually. I new... don't know.
0: I mean, if, if, uh, if uh, Salah was allowed to play for the Palestinians, I think it would be a different situation. Well, he's Egyptian, so he wouldn't be allowed to. I thought the Egyptians were Palestinian. Some of them are actually, but a lot of them, uh, of them are. Keith, we can't get into this. we will get into trouble. Get thrown off the internet. Yeah. Let's get back to technology. Two interesting pieces you linked to on techno-optimism. We talked about Mark Andreessen's rant on techno-optimism last week. Uh, one, um, one one piece from uh, Max Reed, who you say is always a good writer. He says, techno-optimism is a sign of VC crisis. I'm not sure about VC crisis, but certainly VC nervousness. There's a certain weirdness around the VC community. You, you, you're not really a VC, but you you have a front row in it. Are the VCs getting a bit weird, Keith? Well,
1: they definitely have to justify their existence to the world. Um, the, the, the predominant uh, meme is that venture capital is a, a, a bit of a shell game um you know i invest in this company you invest in it next and then someone else invests in it after that and then it ipos then the public buy its shares yeah and then it crashes and and so <laughs> uh you know it a, bas- bit a, scheme, a bit
0: of a Ponzi scheme a bit of an sbs there is
1: a meme that that is the case the meme is wrong uh it's because people don't understand the power law, but. That is the meme. So Andreessen, clearly, when he did the Techno-Optimist Manifesto, is trying to make a case for innovation requiring early-stage investments in the best prospects for human beings. And, you know, cynics or smart people, depending on how you look at it, are, are pouring cold water on that and claiming... Uh, that he's only self-interested and it's a sign of his weakness that he even has to make the point because if it was obvious you wouldn't have to say it that's basically what
0: i mean to be fair i mean i i'm not a great fan of mark andreessen to be to be fair to him the one thing that i don't think he can be accused of is making all these techno-optimistic manifestos in defense of venture capital he's so wealthy it makes no difference to him one way or the other so he's not doing it from the venture point of view he's doing it from the historical philosophical point of view whether you agree with him or not isn't that fair
1: yeah he well, he really believes what he's saying right he, he
0: doesn't care whether it makes whether it makes vCS rich or not
1: yeah he, he al- al- although he's he's trying to represent a point of view about history meaning the future not the past and and, and it's a legitimate point of view and certainly progress has to be
0: i agree and i, I think i mean it's not it's not the point of view. It's the, the way he puts it. You 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 refer in this week's newsletter to one of my favorite economists, Brad DeLong, who's been on Kinon a lot of times. He lives over in Berkeley. He's a lovely guy, slouching towards utopia. I mean, he's a, a highly erudite, one of the world's leading economists. And in his new book, Slouching Towards Utopia, he basically makes the same point as Andreessen, except in very, very different language. Why do you uh, link to the, uh, the long stuff this week?
1: Well, I linked to it because uh, Rohit Krishnan wrote a review, a very long review and, and glowing review, by the way. Uh, uh, and I, like you, saw the correlation between that and what Andreessen was saying. And I, I do think, you know, it's a wonderful thing when a, a body of work comes along that is optimistic about the future. Uh, almost, almost any future view, and you can see it the best in science fiction movies and books, is is kind of dystopian. And the, the, the human race has never produced dystopian futures in its whole history of a human race. It's gone through dystopian periods, but always came out the other end um, closer to utopia than dystopia. and. There's no big reason to believe that why that would change, so when you get bodies of work which have optimism at the core, it seems to me uh, not you know not only should you read them if they're if they're well
0: yeah, It's a big right. book. I know you're not a big fan of reading books at the moment, but I, I wouldn't I, I mean I think that the Delong thesis is complicated tell uh, me tell me what he says because I haven't read the book, and you probably have. Well, I've certainly he's been on my show a couple of times and he argues that we are slouching towards utopia in the sense that in spite of all the technological progress, um, we're miserable and he doesn't, and he tries to make sense of that. And he also suggests that the long 20th century came to an end in 2008 and he's very troubled by the inequalities of the 21st century after 2008. So... You know, to call Long a a, uto- a techno-utopian, I think, is a little bit of an exaggeration. I, I'm not sure what... It would be interesting, actually, I should get him back on keen on. It would be interesting to, to see what he would think of Andreessen's techno-optimistic manifesto. But it's, yeah. it's complicated. But it is true that he notes that uh, over the long 20th century, I think he dates it between 1870 and 2008, uh, we've made enormous economic progress, but after 2008, he notes things have changed. So it's it's it's, it's a complicated uh, story. Um, speaking very, of, sorry, he, go on. He's
1: very good on globalization as well, which is yeah, really he's a
0: great guy and he's a really nice guy. We should actually, if we ever got a third person on the show for a guest appearance, we should get him on. Um, speaking of Ponzi schemes, uh, you link to. Uh, an SBF piece this week on uh, a brilliant piece actually in the verge about what a fool he's making of himself in the trial. Is he going to go to jail for a long time? You've always been, you've always said, well, let's wait for him to have his day in court. He's having his day in court. What's your take on on SBF?
1: There doesn't yet appear to be any evidence that he can get out of serving a long time in jail. Um, His latest uh, and this is as of yesterday, his latest um, explanation is that everything he did was signed off by lawyers.
0: Which is um, an absurd defense. I mean, it's ludicrous. Yeah. Since they' uh, are lawyers appointed by him.
1: Well, law- the interesting thing about lawyers is they're paid to achieve what you ask them to achieve. Um, so their job is to make what you want to do possible. Uh, their job isn't to tell you what you kind of can't do although that that does enter into it if you want to break the law they will they'll tell you you can't do it but if you want to stay within the law but achieve something even something uh, let's call it dodgy uh, they'll find a way if it is indeed possible for you to do it legally and that sounds like that probably is what happened
0: yeah uh, the piece is sam um... Bankman-Fried is going to talk himself right into jail uh, by Elizabeth Lopato in, in The Verge. It's a really good piece. Yeah, no, it is, yeah. Um, well, what else is happening this week, Keith? You, 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 you went on a bit of an anti-Mark Zuckerberg rant, but you also have a piece about Thread's doing rather well, closing in on 100 million users. According to Zuckerberg, is he lying? You suggest he usually lies
1: no I think I think that's probably true, uh, but we we should contextualize that that's a hundred million out of two point seven billion Facebook users. and in the first week it came out, that was the number he said had installed it. So I think he's spinning the story a bit in his favor. Um, uh, you know, it's about three or four times smaller than x um, after what is it two months or three months?
0: right x is you you didn't link to any x pieces this week but there's always anti-mask anti-x stories every week but there seems to be more and more of them in mainstream media more and more people are arguing that 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 the traffic is down the revenue is down the interest is down there's always a, a core group of x users who aren't going away maybe hardcore journalists but most people just don't have the time or the interest in it anymore have you you've always been a, a musk fan a supporter of X are you getting tired of it is it annoying it, it isn't actually I mean
1: it's a massive source of learning for me uh, about people and opinions um, and often quite deep I mean quite a few of the stories I read I originally discover there um, you got to remember it's still three or four hundred million people um, People
0: use it weekly. So you're still a believer, Keith. And What about you, all the stories about revenue being down, users being down? Those are real, aren't they? Well, the, be, the, be,
1: the best context that I've seen that uh, uh, around that is that Musk isn't trying to save Twitter. He's trying to build X. For example, this week, they launched video and voice calling on X. Mm. Um, he's trying to turn it into the global equivalent of what in China is called WeChat or WeXin, which is the app for everything. And Yeah, and that's
0: always been his goal. He's always made that clear. But can he actually do it?
1: I wouldn't bet against him. I mean, the fact that he's retained that number of users this far in, in the face of what what I think is essentially uh, an old left woke kind of cancel culture attack on him, it says that he's winning against them. They've all gone to threads and they're talking to themselves.
0: Well, Mike, I I hate X, but I hate all of social media. And whenever I go on X, it seems to be the same people talking to themselves. But who knows? We will see at some point this will become clearer. Another interesting story you link to is uh, Apple TV Plus canceling the John Stewart show uh, w- w- what's happening here in terms of online media I was very surprised with that you think John Stewart is a winner one way or the other he must have invested considerable amount of money in it
1: yeah I think the I think we don't really know what's happening we, we, we can read between the lines and guess but it, it, it the guess is that John Stewart was going to do a show, um, that was very negative about AI. And that Apple, as the owner of the network, took, a, took editorial offence at his direction, uh, led to an argument, and S- Stuart quite rightly said, well, you're taking me- away my right to my opinion, so I'm not going to do this, and they you know, they fell out. That that sounds roughly like feasible. Maybe he'll sign
0: the Westminster Declaration. Maybe he'll put his show on. We will yeah. see. Uh, yeah.
1: By the way, that that said, I, and as a, I'm a fan of Stuart's, I loved when he did that uh, the 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 uh, Daily Show. His his Apple shows have been hard to watch. They're they're way too earnest, and um, you know, they're, they're It's a bit like he's Jesus speaking from the mountain every
0: every show. No, he definitely should be signing the Westminster Declaration. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so Apple doesn't come out of that. I mean, maybe they come out of it looking okay. In terms no, of... I
1: think they look bad. I, I, can't, uh, I can't. You've
0: also included Apple though. And you're so Apple, Apple is good. And Apple is bad. Uh, good apples, bad apples. Uh, Apple is the startup of the week a little company. What is it? $3 trillion.
1: <laughs>
0: why, why are they startup of the week? Keith?
1: Well, they, they, um, They've produced a new app that you can only see right now if you get on the beta of iOS, you, which is free. You can sign up for it and mm. your phone will update to iOS 17.2. There's an app called Journal and and it's a journaling app, which is one of the you know one of the successful sub sectors of the app store is journaling.
0: So what does channeling to, mean? You mean writing about yourself?
1: Writing about yourself every day. Actually, I've, I drilled into it, and it means a lot of things. So some people use it to talk to themselves. Some people use it to remind themselves of good advice. Other people use it as a kind of a diary. Sounds Other like people, X. It, it it could be. It, it's a subset of X, really. Now, the, what what's interesting is... Um, ChatGPT is also being used in this way. So a lot of people are beginning to use ChatGPT as a kind of a therapist, a daily therapist, uh, documenting their daily challenges and asking ChatGPT for advice, which is probably a way better version of Apple's journal because it talks back to you, whereas Apple's journal is just one way. So I, I personally wouldn't journal, but I might talk to ChatGPT every day. You
0: talk to me. Maybe I can be your therapist, key. Well, you are already. Um, I'm paid, of course. Maybe I should charge you. Finally, and we talked about, and this is a very interesting X of the week. We talked about intellectual property, ownership, and copying. And you have something from Vinod Khosla, um, one of the smartest and most successful VCs around, also perhaps not the most likable fellow, but so what. Uh, he talks about the, uh, I had someone on my show actually this week who's suing one of the the AI platforms and artists for stealing their content, but he writes, to restrict AI from training on copyright material would have no precedent in how other forms of intelligence that came before AI train. There are no authors of copyright material that did not learn from copyright works, be it in manuscripts, art, or music. You can't separate Gauguin's influence from Matisse, Velasquez from Dali, Picasso's from Pollock, I don't know if Picasso came before Pollock. Beyonce's from Taylor Swift, nor Charles Taylor's from Yuval Noah Harari. The list goes on. So what's his point?
1: Well, he says it very well, doesn't he? He makes the point there's no such thing as original thought um, that uh, that isn't derived from prior copywriting. Yeah, people. but
0: there, there is there are laws still around it. You can't just write a book that just copies somebody else. No, but that's uh, what the saying. music is. industry is very strict on just taking music or content from someone else.
1: Yeah, but co- copyright covers copying. That's why it's called copyright. AI doesn't copy. Neither do great artists copy, but they do derive.
0: Well, but that, that's so vague. I mean, what happens if you download all of Keith Tear's thoughts as training and then? you create a an open AI Keith tier. Shouldn't you have some it doesn't mean it should necessarily be banned, but shouldn't you have right to some of the revenue? Well, as if OpenAI downloads everything you've ever done and then creates your own artificial intelligence, shouldn't you have right to some of the revenue they get from selling that?
1: I think you'd do what um, one of the authors did this week, which is you'd be wide open to that. What a, what a massive endorsement of Keith Tier that Open Eye wants to create a digital version of me. So you might negotiate some kind of economics, but you wouldn't have a, a copyright, um, lit, you know, a, a, something you could litigate against them. That's what Vinod is saying. Learning from others, not mimicking them, but learning from them, is the very core of civilization, and so you can't copyright evolution. You can copyright copying, but nobody copies. Even AI. God it. copyright evolution. You can't.
0: You can't. You can't protect it, so some other god could steal it. Exactly. Well, I'm still not convinced. I think uh, there are cases, and and this thing's going to get fought out in the court especially on the revenue side, surely. I mean, you're saying you could negotiate. Most artists can't. And I had a woman on my show, uh, a San Francisco artist, who's suing some of these companies. Which which is the company you create this terrible art?
1: Well, there's a few, but this one is Dali. But uh, Mid Journey
0: Uh, is... Yeah, Mid Journey. She's suing Mid Journey because she says that that, that it's making artists extinct. Is there no truth to that?
1: It's, it's a ridiculous proposition on the face of it. I mean, uh, you can never make artists extinct, but you can, uh, create art without artists. Like Dali. Exactly. <laughs> Except it's not art. It's shit. Well, that's an opinion. Somebody else might love it.
0: Is there anyone who likes Dali art? Is there anyone who likes these artificial photos of VCs with beards? There's a homoerotic quality, Keith. Why aren't there any women?
1: I asked it to only do men because I was wanting to show up the bias in venture
0: towards the males. Mm, yeah, well I talked to Janae about that one. <laughs>